Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Turn up into Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. These are well-read, well-known, well-preached verses. A lot of people have shared on these verses in this house. And I want us to go back to this because today I want to speak on an important value to this house, and a value that we need to be thinking about deeply. Matthew 28, and I'm reading from the ESV. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority. Now, someone say all authority. You know, it was someone. Okay, someone say, someone, just a few more. All authority. I want you to take that into your mind. I want you to think about it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, the therefore is there for a reason. It's there because of what preceded it. What preceded it? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me that you might... Go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you all the days of your life. I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to speak to you today about the way of the disciple. The way of the disciple. Many of you would know the values of the house here, would know the values of Numa Church. And they're important values to this house. They, they mark how we want to perform and how we want to live out our life in Christ. And one of those important values is that we are going to make disciples. Making disciples is not optional. And I would say to you by extension that discipleship is not optional. If making disciples is not optional, then being a disciple is not optional. That we are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus. Now, you might say to yourself, why is this such a focus on discipleship in this house? Why is this place so focused on, on making disciples? Well, quite, quite blatantly, Jesus commanded it. Did we capture the verse that said, all authority has been given to me. So go and make disciples, the one with all authority. I just imagine for a moment, it doesn't matter what side of the political divide you come on. It doesn't matter what side of the Republican debate you come on. If a state leader, a federal leader, the reigning monarch asked you to come into their presence, you would go into your, their presence. You would clear your diary just to be amongst them. Now, I know some have a bit of bravado about that and we say, oh, no, no, no. But I'm sure if it came to the very moment of the invitation, you would. You would go into their presence and if they asked you to do something, if it was within your power, you would clear out all other engagements that you might achieve what they've asked you to do. Now the one with all authority, we're not talking about someone with state authority or federal authority or national, international authority. We are speaking about someone that has interstellar authority, the one with all authority in heaven and on earth says, go. So what are we going to do about it? 
oh, we'll probably form a committee, sit down and talk about it, and I'll figure out how this is going to interfere with our lives. No, we don't do that. We do what Jesus said. We go and we make disciples. And so we have a vision in this house to plant 200 new churches across four global hubs that carry a spirit of revival to disciple cities and nations. It's in direct response to the command of Jesus that we go and do what we're going to do. Quite frankly, I've been around long enough to know that most churches wouldn't know how to plant a garden, much less plant 200 churches. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be. That's where we're called to go, to be a people planting. Why? Because the one with all authority calls us to do it. Too many unmarooned, mouth is dry, I'm getting the words tied there. Too many are marooned at the point of salvation. They've heard Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So they've come to Jesus, got saved, know his forgiveness, and they've stopped. They've stopped there at the point of salvation. But the call of Jesus has always been, come, follow me. Follow me. When Jesus spoke those words of coming into his rest, he was talking to a people that were living under ritual and rule that they might come to God. And he says, come to me. You're weary of trying to do it by ritual and rule. Come to me and I will give you rest. And as you follow me, rest. As you walk in me, rest. And that's what we're called to do, to follow Jesus and rest in him, not struggling to achieve his love, not struggling to achieve his forgiveness, because he gives it willingly to anyone who asks. He loves us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Do I get a witness in the house, Pastor Josh? Hallelujah. Praise be to God. It's so important at the beginning of a new year to take some time to think about where we're at in our journey with Jesus. Friends, just take a moment. Do a bit of an assessment. You know, it's easy to let a little bit of distance get between you and the master, to let some some space get in there where you're no longer within whispering distance of Jesus. And it's so good at the beginning of the year just to check where we're going, where we're at, that we might come back into a line and sync our lives with him, get into synchronisation, lockstep with Jesus. So we're once again walking with him in the journey that he's going because none of us know what's going to happen in 2023. None of us know. I mean, we can get prophetic words, but we, we don't know. Just think back to 2020. On this date in 2020... We're all thinking, our businesses and and, and churches alike were thinking about 2020 vision, weren't they? They were going off into 2020 vision, thinking about where we're going, what we're doing. I was planning a nine-week overseas tour to celebrate my my retirement. I did do that a little while back, but something happened. Something happened. Praise be to God. Something happened. And, And within four weeks of this day, we were talking about working from home. Not because it'd be nice and convenient and be lovely but because we had to. And then in eight weeks, in eight weeks, we were, the whole world was locked down. Nobody was going anywhere. Nobody would have ever thought on January the 8th, 2020, that the world would be locked down in eight weeks. 
No one could have anticipated that taking place. At the beginning of 2022, we were given a prophetic word, make no small plans in 2022. And in August of 2022, God visited this house and has kept on visiting this house in a way that we could never have dreamed that he might have done. It's been the greatest season, the greatest time. It's not just a season, it's a new address. It's where we're living now. We're living in the outpouring of God and we're going to continue living in that as long as we're moving into him. And that's, that's what this is all about, that we might be disciples of Jesus walking in the way that he has called us to walk. None of us know what 2023 is going to bring. None of us know. But that's not the problem. That's not the question. The question is, what are you going to bring to 2023? If you've been in Jesus, if you've been resting in him and taking from him, you're going to be bringing him into every situation you face. And there'll be nothing you can face that you can't do it with Jesus. There won't be anything that you'll come against that you can't stand up against with Jesus because you'll give everything to you that you need. You'll always have enough when you're walking with Jesus. You'll always have enough when you're pressing into Jesus. I love the story out of uh, the Old Testament of, of Gideon out of Judges chapter 6. It's a, it's a great story. Many of you here will know the story of Gideon. But for those that may not know, just to give you a little bit of summation, the Midianites had, had invaded Israel. They, they, they kept on marauding Israel season after season, taking crops, taking uh, donkeys, the Bible tells us, taking all the produce and, and all the livestock of the land, just taking, stealing from the whole land. And so the land was left devastated. And Gideon is, is a guy who knows God, who knows God's plan, who knows God's love, who knows God's redemption. And he's vexed because he's not seeing God move in the way that he should. He's really quite upset about it. And so you find him in Judges chapter 6. The, the angel of the Lord comes to him and here he is in a wine press threshing wheat. Now that picture should give to you an immediate understanding that the land was in a terrible state. You see, they'd normally thresh wheat on an area probably as big as this platform. They'd have a pile of grain and they would get their fork in or their, their shovel in and they would throw it into the air. They'd be out in the open where a breeze was blowing and they'd throw it into the air so that the, the breeze could catch the chaff and blow the chaff out of the wheat. And here was Gideon in a wine press threshing wheat. And, and it's, it's a wine press is about two metres across. I was in Israel in, in 1995 and, and saw a, a sample of a wine press, about two metres across. And here he is with the limited amount of grain that he has. And he's down on his haunches trying to thresh the grain. Could you imagine? There's no breeze because the, the little wine press is in the backyard of the house. So he's down on his haunches and throwing handfuls of wheat in the air going... <laughs> Yeah, blowing through so the, the chaff will be blown away. It, it's a pitiful sight. It is absolutely pitiful. And the angel of the Lord comes into this situation and sees Gideon in this place. And he comes up, and it's absolutely marvellous. He comes up to him and goes, Whoa, mighty warrior. <laughs> the Lord is with you. Now that pushed Gideon over the edge. 
that didn't do him any good at all. You know, he, he, was, he was thinking, you know, he was, he was just angry. He was angry. So he comes back at the angel. Now, in the Len Turner, um, totally unauthorized, read between the lines version, he comes back to the angel with, what you been smoking? You know, he is, he's cut. He's upset. You know, look around. Where's God? Yeah, what? God's supposed to be here and he's not here. He's really upset. He's really cut. And the angel comes back to Gideon with what I think is one of those powerful statements. He says, go with what you have and defeat the Midianites. Deliver Israel. Go with what you have. You will always have enough when you've been in the presence of Jesus. Do I get an amen? Amen. You will always have enough to face whatever this year brings to you. You will have enough because you've been in His presence and He's been speaking into you. The challenge of the church today, dear friends, is to make disciples who are not merely spectators, but are participators, who are actually engaged, who are taking Jesus out into the world, into their everyday, into their workplace, into their homes, into their schools, actually engaged on the field, Lord, on the field where, where you get muddied and bloodied, on the place where it's difficult. You see, it's easy to sit in the stands and cheer on or condemn the efforts of those on the field. It's much harder to get on the field and actually do the work of the ministry, to actually engage in sharing Jesus with others. But that's where we need to be. That's what we need to be doing. Theodore Roosevelt, the 26th President of the United States, said this, It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort, there is no straining without error, there is no effort without shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows the high triumph of achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place will never be marked among those timid and cold souls who know neither defeat nor victory. Friends, we are called to be engaged. Why? Because Jesus commanded it. He said, go, make disciples, be a disciple. But not only so, he not only commanded it, it was the way Jesus lived. Jesus was a disciple. That might sound strange to you. He not only discipled those around him, but Jesus himself was a disciple. Let's turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah 50, in verses 4 and 5 in Isaiah 50, say this, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary, those who are taught, sorry, I might sustain with the word him who is weary. 
Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, I turned not backward. Isaiah is speaking in the first place of himself, of, the, of, the, of his obedience to the training of, of the Lord God Jehovah. He's speaking of his obedience to what God was saying. If you read on in this, cha- in, uh, just a few verses on from this, you begin to see some of the challenges that Isaiah faced. Not everyone appreciated Isaiah. It's, uh, it's not recorded in scripture, but tradition holds that Isaiah was under the reign of Manasseh, uh, the son of Hezekiah. He, he was drawn into a, a hollowed out log and sawn in half. Um, just to understand, Manasseh was spoken of in the scriptures as having done evil in the sight of the Lord. And the, the prophets came against him. You can read about it in, in 1 King, 2 Kings 21. And they, came, uh, they came against the king. And I suppose at that point in time, he took out his action upon Isaiah. It was not an easy life for Isaiah. But commentators are quick to add that this is one of the songs of the suffering servant. That this forms, these verses form part of the songs of the suffering servant. There's four songs in Isaiah, Isaiah 42, 49, here in Isaiah 50, and Isaiah 52 and 3, where it speaks of the suffering of Jesus. And Isaiah at this point is speaking about Jesus. He's prophetically speaking about the Messiah. And what does he say about the Messiah? The Messiah was woken daily to hear what the Father was saying, that his tongue might be trained. The actual language in it is, is important. The word taught that's used here is tra- a translation of the word limadim. It's an earlier word for telmadim, another Hebrew word which was more commonly used later on. It's the same as methetes, the, the Greek word which means disciple. It means a follower. Jesus was a disciple. Kiel and Dilich, translators and, 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 and commentators on the Old Testament, Translate this, this uh, verse, they render this verse this way. The Lord Jehovah has given me the tongue of a disciple that I may know how to sustain the wearied with words. He wakens every morning, wakens my heart to attend in the manner of a disciple. Jesus was discipled by Father God. No wonder it says in, in John chapter 12, 50, the things that I say are what the Father has told me to say. No, matter, no wonder it says in John 14, 31, the things I do is what the Father has commanded me to do. Jesus came as a servant and as a servant, he came into the Father's presence to be discipled by the Father. How much more, if Jesus was discipled by Father God, how much more do we need to be discipled in our journey? How much more do we need to listen to him? Are you with me this morning? Are you gathering anything? Come on, don't just look at me blank. I need an amen corner. I need some response. Hallelujah, I need it. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, brother, give it to me. We, we need that response. Otherwise, look, if you go to sleep, I'm going to go to sleep. I've got to that age where I can go to sleep very easily, okay? <laughs> Nana naps come on me fast. 
So if you go to sleep, we're in real bother. In one of the congregations I was in, uh, we used to have a dear soul there. She was, she was just a, a lovely old lady, beautiful old lady. But she could go to sleep in, in some of the, I could be shouting my head off and she would go to sleep. So I developed a routine where I'd stamp the floor, get in a nice solid spot on the platform, stamp the floor, slap the pulpit and give a shout and she'd suddenly wake up and look and think how God had come back or something. She was, she was totally shocked out of it. So if you want me to get down that pathway, I will, but I don't want to. Come on, be with me. Join in. Come on, people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew Henry, just, just as a note, says that Christ received that he might give. How are you going to give if you don't receive? How are you going to give? You're going to be giving out of your flesh, aren't you? And that's not going to do a blind bit of good for anybody. We need to give out Jesus. They don't need to hear me. They need to hear Jesus. They need to hear him. They need to sense him. They need to feel him. That's what they need to sense and feel. So what's your image of discipleship? What, what do you conjure up when you think of being a disciple? Because your image of discipleship is going to influence, influence the way that you disciple. It's going to take you down the pathway of how you influence and how you, how you lead a person in discipleship. Um, middle of last year, we, we received some great teaching from Dr. Mike and Dr. Alan Meyer and, and Pastor Corey. They all gave to us some great insight into what a disciple was. And a disciple is someone who is a learner, they told us, is, is someone who is learning, a follower, a student. And I can only build on that definition. And I'd say to you that a disciple is someone that attaches themselves to a teacher to study their teachings and apply them. Now, that could be said of an apprentice. It could be said of someone working in an office who's being taught by somebody within the office. It can certainly be said of a student. It can be said of anyone. It can be said of a Christian. But the reality is the Christian is doing something more than learning a whole lot of rules to hit somebody else over the head with. A Christian is not just learning the rules. A Christian disciple studies the character of the master that they might implement and, and uh, emulate the master. They might show him out as they show the teachings that have taken on board. It's not enough just to know all the knowings. We've got to know the Jesus that taught the knowings. Amen? We've got to know the Jesus. I was in Asheville, North Carolina in 2012. I was going to a conference, a couple of conferences at the Billy Graham Conference Center. It was just a fantastic time. My wife and I were there. And uh, we went downtown. We arrived a couple of days early and we went downtown to Asheville, just to see what the place was like. It's a, it's a regional centre, a bit like a Ballarat or a, or a Bendigo, that kind of size. And there was a music festival on in the town, so lots of people. It was a really buzzing place. And, uh, and one of the local churches had come down to, the, to the, where the people were to do some street evangelism, and that's fantastic, that's great. So I thought I'd just sit for a while and, and, and see what was happening and pick up some pointers of what was going on. Well, it only took a few moments when I began to realise that the preacher was more content to condemn those who were sitting around him than to point them to the, to the solution of their problems, to point them to Jesus who could actually save them. Oh, he could rattle off the law. He could rattle off where they were going wrong. He could rattle off how they were doing it wrong. But he didn't point them to a saviour who could change that for them, who could actually redeem them, who could forgive their sin and make them new people. So what do we want to create? What do we want to see emerging here at Numa? Matthew 28 has, has some great insight for us. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we make disciples by baptizing and teaching them. Rules and rituals. What? Just six weeks before Jesus said this, he hung upon a cross and gave his life to redeem those who were under rule and ritual, to bring them to a place where they'd know his freedom. Who knows the baptism is that, is that significant moment upon the life in our journey of life. Who knows that? It is, isn't it? It's a wonderful moment in the journey of discipleship. It's a great moment, but it doesn't make you a disciple. We don't come to baptism and stop. We've got to keep on going. We've got to keep on walking with him. It's, it's a glorious testimony of our alignment with Jesus' death and resurrection. It's a powerful statement, a powerful declaration that Jesus is Lord in our life, but it doesn't make us a disciple. We have to keep moving. So what is this scripture getting at? What's it trying to say to us? Uh, David Stern is, um, is a translator of the New Testament, and he, he translates the New Testament from a Jewish perspective. And he translates these verses in this way. Go and make people from all nations into Talmudim, into disciples, immersing them, immersing them into the reality of Father, Son, and Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, immersing them into the reality of Father, Son, and Spirit, immersing them into everything that the name represents, immersing them into the character, into the nature of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What's the nature of the Father? It's love and mercy, isn't it? It's love and mercy. When you boil it all down, it's love and mercy. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 1 John 4.16, uh, God is love. I mean, Psalm 118 says, your love endures forever. Psalm 25 verse 6 says, Let your, your love and mercy, Lord, don't forget your love and mercy. Love and mercy are the hallmarks of our God. If you grew up in a framework like I grew up in, uh, I grew up understanding that God was a fearful judge, that he was going to get me and break my legs because that was his job and that's what he did. And so out of that experience, I pushed God far away. I just pushed him away from me and I pushed him out as far as I could so that I would often say, oh, God is in his heavens and I'm on earth and neither of the two of us are going to meet. And that's how I lived my life until 1978. When in 1978, through a set of circumstances that only God could have brought together, only a set of circumstances that he could have manufactured, he slowly brought me to the place of understanding that he was a God of love. He wasn't going to break my legs. He wanted to wrap his arms around me. And how thankful I am for that to the point where in late September of 1978, I said to my wife, there is no danger in giving your life to Jesus. And on the 1st of October, 1978, sitting in the back row of a Salvation Army meeting, I heard the preacher say, have you grown in your Christian experience in the last 12 months. And for the first time in my life, I had to say to myself, I was not a Christian. I was not. 
I didn't know God. I didn't know his forgiveness. I didn't know his love because I'd pushed him so far away. And on that day, on that day, I accepted Christ as my saviour. I received him into my heart and he turned my world upside down. So much so that my life was changed like you could never imagine. And I have walked with him through ups and downs, through incredible highs and desperate lows, through healings where he's healed me of three strokes. He's brought me back from cancer of the tongue. He's, He's taken me through the time of my wife's death and he's carried me through all of these things. He's been there for me. If you don't know Jesus as your saviour, Why not? What in the world is holding you back from knowing Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? What is so important in this world that would keep you back from giving your life to love personified, to the one who loves you and cares for you? What in the world is keeping you back? Give yourself to Him. He loves you. He loves you. Maybe you grew up with with the same kind of idea that I grew up with, that he was a judge. But friend, I want to tell you, he's a lover. He loves you. He loves you and wants to restore you and heal you and bring you back to life, to fullness of life. Why not give your life to Jesus? What's the characteristic, the nature of Jesus? It's it's, uh, truth and grace. John 1.14 The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. Jesus holds grace and truth in such a glorious balance. He not only speaks truth to people that need it, but He speaks it with grace that they might hear it. The friend, the preacher that was preaching in Asheville, he knew truth, but he didn't know grace. He hadn't set himself a place of, of being immersed into grace and truth. He'd certainly learnt the law, but he hadn't been immersed into the grace of Jesus. And Jesus, John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. As the Father is love, Jesus is truth. Well, what's the standout characteristics of the Holy Spirit? It's power and unity. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses, says the Lord. And it's unity. You know the the, um, benedictory formula, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. A real fluffy word, fellowship. You know, the the Rotary does it. Apex does it. Lions Club does it. Church does it. Fellowship. It's real fluffy. The actual original word koinonia, it it, it talks about the common unity, the unity of believers. Might the unity of the Holy Spirit be with you? We're praying in each other when we pray the benediction. The unity of the Spirit binds you one with the other. And this is what Jesus calls us to be immersed in, not just here and there, but to be continually immersed into that we be immersed into the love and mercy of the Father, the grace and truth of Jesus, and into the power and the unity of the Holy Spirit. When you understand discipleship from that perspective, and you read a verse like John 13, 35, that says, by this will all people know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. How will they see it? Because you've been immersed 
into the love and mercy of the Father. When you put a sponge into water, what does it come out dripping with? Water, doesn't it? We need to be immersed into the Father that, that we might come out dripping with the love. When you read from, from John chapter 8, 31, if you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciples. We've been immersed into Jesus. So we're holding on to truth and grace. We know what he requires of us and we live it out with love because he loves us. And we live out that truth out of a heart that's responding to God. When you read a verse like, by this, my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit so that you prove that you are my disciples. We've been immersed in the spirit. So we're coming out dripping as witnesses, dripping with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is calling us into calling us to be immersed into his love and mercy, his grace and truth, his power and unity. That's the way of the disciple. It's not just getting a few rules right, not just going through a few rituals. It's actually living with the power of Jesus burning in your heart. And then when you go out into the world, into the home, into the university, into the working place, they're going to see Jesus. Why? Because you've been immersed in him. You're dripping with him. You're flowing with him. And he's coming out of you and touching lives around you. How are we ever going to do all of this? How are we ever going to do it? Just let me sum up with this. We're going to do it individually. Only you can make a choice of coming into the presence day after day and letting your ear be trained, that your tongue might be trained. Only you can make that choice of coming into the presence day by day. Tomorrow, come into the presence. The next day, come into the presence. The next day, come into the presence. You keep coming into the presence that you might take him out. And how do we respond to it corporately? Right here at Numa, we have so many things you can get involved with that you can work out your love of Jesus. You can get involved in teams here. You can get involved in Numa School of the Spirit. You can get involved in life keys. You can get involved in so many things in this place. The most basic form of involvement is the Sunday worship and the Wednesday program of the discipleship, of, of going to life groups. And not only life groups, but team advance and prayer power. You can get involved at the beginning of the year don't sit on the sideline cheering or, or condemning those who are in the field. Get into the field. Get involved. Start producing because you've been in the presence. You're saturated with Jesus. You've been immersed into him. Can the band come back? You know, when we're living out of this kind of experience, it sounds like a New Testament church. Acts chapter 2 says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them to their proceeds to all as any had need. 
and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. Let's stand. Let's stand together. Father God, we worship you and praise you. And Lord, we want today to make a choice to just to come into your presence. Just to come into your presence. We want to sense your love and mercy, Father. We want to sense your grace and truth, Jesus, coming upon us. We want to sense your power and unity, Holy Spirit, flooding our lives that when we go out to live out the life of discipleship in the world that you've given us, we might not be just dripping with ourselves, Lord, but we'd be dripping with you, dripping with all you desire. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.